0: Welcome to our first episode on Telco Tech Talk Season Two with Anna and Varun. In today's episode, we are excited to have with us Amparo Maraleira. She's been a senior executive in various companies, including her 20-year stint with IBM in South of Europe. She's currently a non-executive director of Vodafone, Airbus, Kaisha Bank, and Verse. And amongst us, several important roles, she also heads the ESG committee of the board at Vodafone. Amparo is passionate about both ESG and technology, and that's what you will hear from her today, the, the intersection of these two topics in our first episode. Hola, Amparo.
1: Hola, Harun. My pleasure to be here with you.
0: Amparo, we start each episode with our guests sharing a little bit about themselves. Would you like to share a few highlights on your passion for technology?
1: Of course, when I'm a very curious person and learning new things is one of my passions. I think that science and technology are key pillars to understand the world we live in and of course to address most of the biggest challenges we face. I'm an engineer as a background and uh, I was a girl, a STEM student, passionate
2: about math ages before the concept STEM was coined. Amparo, I love that story. You know, we spend so much time talking about girls in STEM. I know that's another passion of yours, but today we want to talk about ESG. So tell us a little bit about how you first got interested and engaged on that topic.
1: Well, thank you. ESG is a very wide topic. I first got acquainted with the G of ESG when I joined my first board back in 2007. It was all about learning how to run Thorough process in decision-making and and learning to understand how to to guide uh, CEOs and and executive committees to to make the right choices. And then I think that dealing with the decommissioning of the Longanet coal plant in Scotland in the absence of a cost-effective solution for carbon capture and storage was really another moment of truth because, uh, you know, coal plants are very polluting. But on the other hand, they also used to employ a lot of people and they were key in the energy supply of of the country. So very important and a very uh, impactful story for me
0: that resonates a lot with me Amparo I wanted to ask you in your own world what do you see the companies you are involved with doing on ESG what are they championing
1: yeah well I have the privilege of sitting in two business to business large scale companies and also two very interesting B2C ones so um, the opportunities in the ESG space range from decarbonizing logistics and shipping to pioneering sustainable aviation, mostly by the means of new technologies at Keisha Bank, It's really about sustainable finance and, and finances with purpose. Um, Bank has as a reference shareholder the Kaisha Foundation, which is the second largest uh, foundation in Europe. So very, very kind of deep purpose and social drive as well. And at Vodafone, we also embrace how to enable inclusive and a broader digital Society. I mentioned that we are finding ways to impact society and to impact uh, really the access of technology of uh, students and children and. And also, for instance, what we are doing in Africa in, at Vodacom, we have given access to more than 50 million people to finance by the use of M-Pesa. And using really our mobile app, or M-Pesa is the largest fintech in Africa, as so you know very well, and it's based on, on a basic telecom service, and it's given uh, access to, to finance to more than 50 million people. But uh, really what I have found out thats that it is really purpose what brings ESG into
2: the mainstream of the organization. It's exciting to hear that companies, such large companies and influential companies, like the ones that you're on the board of, it's deep into their purpose. Speaking about Vodafone specifically, what role do you think that technology communications company like Vodafone can play in ESG? Well, I
1: think telcos have a paramount role to play. Telcos can contribute to mitigate climate change and also to develop more inclusive and ethical digital societies, which for me is a very, very important pillar to the S. Everything telcos do contribute to the advance of digital society, but we need this digital society to be inclusive for people and for businesses of all sizes, top some of the examples and initiatives we are having inside of uh, Vodafone. If I take uh, just the climate part and digital society part to strengthen their resilience and to improve the lives of of the people everywhere through the power of connectivity and, and digital services, I think that last two years, during the pandemic have really demonstrated how connectivity and digital services can be really the lifeline, allowing people to work, to learn, to stay in touch with their friends and with their family, and even to have access to healthcare and more. We have currently more than 350 million customers connected to our next-gen mobile and fixed network, so that's really very important. We are also committed to give access to mostly SMEs who really need to just uh, embrace digital to be competitive, to access to our BHAP technology, to have access to services and to experts to digitize. But above and beyond that, we also are very mindful of how important it is to protect and our customer and user data and, and to make sure that we also make a very ethical use of um, artificial intelligence and algorithms in all the relationship with our clients, whoever they are and wherever they are.
0: Thanks for sharing that, Amparo. And I can see the intent with telcos are showing in terms of inclusivity. Anna and I were in Barcelona and we saw telcos launch this data access initiative, which is called Open Gateway. And we're seeing how much they want to now involve the ecosystem and other communities and share their data with the world. What would be interesting to see is are there areas where telcos are yet to show the intent or are there areas where they are uh, a bit blindsided right now on the ESG agenda?
1: Well, uh, that's a very interesting question. I think as many uh, organizations, telcos are going uh, through their learning curve in order to find out what's uh, the way they can have a biggest impact on the ESG agenda. I think uh, we are all trying to just find ways to leverage technology to have a, a positive social impact. I think we are also trying to deploy technologies to, to help on the climate side. Uh, by deploying IoT, we are trying to make sure that we, for instance, improving the detection of a fire and in forest. I'd like to share you a very, very interesting story uh, when it comes to really assess uh, our uh, CO2 impact. Our uh, Vodafone procurement company started uh, some time ago an exercise at trying to identify, uh, you know, uh, all the components that we were sourcing from Asia in the context of uh, WTO sanctions and and the ban of Huawei. So within the procurement company, we set up a lab to really strip out the technology and understand where the pieces were coming from. And uh, this same exercise uh, that we did over time to de-risk our supply chain is being used really to understand what's the CO2 footprint for each one of the equipments and the goods we source. So we just strip them out and, and we track each single component and we understand what's the CO2 footprint of that equipment. So through procurement, we then know where those equipments and goods are shipped, which opcode are, are, are using them. So through procurement, we can really track a CO2 footprint of the company, which is amazing. And we have an app And uh, by uh, just uh, selecting a country or a specific set of uh, products and goods, we can see the CO2 footprint of our organization. Uh, The other very interesting thing associated to this initiative is that we are developing an eco lab and we are trying to bring other telcos into this initiative. So we have a standard to just uh, uh, assign a lab. To a t- uh, an eco lab to the items that we procure, and they are most of them are very common to to many telcos. And the last thing we have uh, introduced is that we have um, uh, assigned a twenty percent weight into our request for uh, procurement and uh, our request for good for the ESG component from our suppliers. So we attribute a twenty percent weight in our requests for goods, you know, requests for procurement and to our our suppliers. So we are starting to wait into our decision-making process, socially responsible and how climate responsible our suppliers are. Likewise, in our business cases, now we also wait the CO2 footprint eh, when it comes to the future cost in our business cases. There are many ways to walk the talk. And I think we just need to make sure that boards set the tone and executives really deploy into the mainstream of the organization this way of understanding social responsibility and environmental impact.
2: Um, Pari, thank you for that example. I think it is interesting to see how you bring it to life, and especially in the telco context, because we know that telcos are some of the massive energy users in the world, and many are sort of focused on their direct emissions right now. But it's interesting to hear that you're really focusing on the indirect and scope three emissions through the procurement process. You touched on it a little bit, but I'd like to put a fine point on it. How can boards of telcos help drive this kind of thinking in the organization? Well,
1: it's all about making sure all these initiatives and all these programs really go into the mainstream, what we do is really we ask executives to come and present what they are doing in the op course. When I mean op course, I mean in the countries, for instance, if we want to review the progress on environmental, we would uh, just ask the general manager, the CEO of Vodafone in Germany to really explain how he's progressing in the supply of renewable energy how he is uh, just uh, dealing with renewables in in site generation, how they are really replacing refrigerants, gases, and uh, fire suppressants, highest global warming potential in their breathing company, how they are switching to electric vehicles. You can set the tone from the top, but then the execution and, and, and the progress really depends on how, the executives bring those principles into their mainstream. That's definitely the the only critical success factor for you to become true.
0: That's right. And let me shift gears a little bit here. We know that telcos cannot achieve their goals on their own. So I wanted to talk about innovation in the ecosystem itself. Do you see any impactful clean tech startups and ventures that are showing up?
1: I see some um, use cases uh, of IoT when it comes to climate change, uh, be it fire detection, be it uh, really control of uh, the emissions. I'm seeing uh, some impact as well on the implementation of circular economy for For instance, with the reuse of uh, digital devices, we are just trying to make sure that we either recycle, reuse, redeploy digital devices when they come to the end of their lives. There are a proliferation of startups uh, catered to specific ESG juice cases, some product offerings, but again... No really winner in that space yet. The other big uh, ecosystem developing is is really all the ecosystem around energy, around hydrogen. So we are seeing uh, companies such as Green Cell Energy leading uh, in hydrogen. We are seeing companies emerging, trying to develop in the case of uh, shipping e-methanol and biomethanol. But again, I think that still no major project at scale, mm-hmm. and, and I think this is the biggest challenge we face, how we are going to get traction, really, on the energy transition around hydrogen. Energy supply and for shipping is just uh, imperative. Aerospace is also imperative. The availability of sustainable aviation fuels, just 10% mm-hmm. uh, so far used by airlines, twice the price, uh, even sometimes three times the price of kerosene I was referring before over my experience uh, back in 2009 in uh, Scotland and the commissioning of a huge power plant called Power Plant because uh, carbon capture and storage solutions were not yet available and we are in 2023 and, and carbon capture and storage solutions are not yet available at okay, scale.
2: So In that story, what was also really interesting to me is like sort of the push and the pull between the E and the S, right, in part because the coal-fired power plant offers a lot of jobs to the community, which can be like, you know, uplifting to the community in its own way, but it has a negative environmental impact. Like we're actually going through a similar issue in our local community because there's a mandate to shut down the coal plants and they're taking a lot of from farmland and converting it to solar but on your point of like we're just at the beginning and how do we convince people and what do you say to people why this is important and why they should care about it?
1: it is really about uh, focusing on the long term and this is one of the of the uh, topics where you need to go through a short-term pain to really achieve a long-term gain and honestly uh, the the debate around energy might be more difficult because uh, we we are currently operating in a high inflation environment with lots of cost pressure and the energy is just added into that uh, equation into that uh, kind of a cost build up. So it's definitely a very very difficult topic. I think that on the social side the, the dialogue and the conversation is much much. Easy. Uh, And when it comes to human rights, when it comes to really including people and when it comes really to protect uh, consumers and companies' data protection via ethical use of artificial intelligence and algorithms, I think that this is something that we would all uh, agree with and it's very easy to, to drive in the organization.
2: Empire, well, it's certainly inspiring to me, so I hope it'll be inspiring to the listeners of the podcast as well. We like to finish off each episode with the same five questions, um, just to learn, help the listeners learn a little bit more about you as a person. So first one, what motivates you? Uh, learning motivates me and keeps me curious and keeps me alive. That's great. Me too.
1: What do you like to do when you're not at work? I, I like uh, to work out and to exercise, and I like a lot being with my family. These are my two passions, I would say. Me too,
2: again. <laughs> um, why is the entire telecom industry more relevant than ever? Uh, Tencos are really at
1: the center place of everything we do by providing connectivity and access to the information. So, I think that they are more important than ever. If you could change one thing in the industry, what would it be? I would definitely try to protect the telecos investment capabilities. Uh, Market structure in many European markets is not right. Regulators have been focusing solely on the consumer, driving incredible value destruction in in many, many, many countries. Uh, The other aspect I would try to change is really uh, techos and Big companies, big tech companies pay for the services they get out of the telcos. Six uh, companies drive uh, 60% of internet traffic and they are monetizing really the investment made by the telcos without contributing their fair
2: share in terms of revenues to the big value they, they extract from it. Yeah, I'm part of that it goes a lot of what we heard recently at, at Mobile World Congress, and we know it's been harder for the European telcos to really invest in 5G technology because they're held back in this way. Okay, last question. What is your most recommended book or podcast? Well, I'll, I'll go for a
1: classic here. I would uh, recommend The Memoirs of Hadrian by Marguerite Ursenar. It's an amazing history book, but most of all, for me, it's a great business book because it will tell you how to run a big a multinational from the eyes of a Roman emperor. Many tips and many insights in that book I uh, thoroughly recommend to anyone who's
2: interested in history and in business. Okay, great. That's an interesting choice. I'll have to read it. And actually, Roman has a particular passion interest of mine as well.
0: Gracias, Amparo, for providing insightful and honest views. I like your clarity on what you believe and change quickly and what will take more Time and uh, some more pain. Hope all our listeners will enjoy every bit of this episode as much as both Anna and I the adios.